The stars are out in California. You are going to hear from all of them today, including Jordan and Rory and DJ and Brooks. It's coming up on the Fairways of Life show worldwide. Welcome to the most listened to golf in the world, the Fairways of Life show, on air, online, and around the world. With the most candid interviews, unforgettable stories, taking you beyond the ropes. Here's your host, New York Times best-selling author and Golf Channel's Matt Adams. What is going on, folks? Welcome to the program on this Friday. Hope you guys are doing well. We're going to try to get in and get out, and we're going to bring you the words from many of the big names spotting this leaderboard at the Genesis Invitational. Thank you to everybody for yesterday with the hole-in-the-wall game camp and the way that you guys once again connected. You're amazing. It's It obviously was... was uh, you know, I think a very important message that we are trying to get out about this very special place and the way it helps kids and families that are dealing with very serious illness. And it, as always, blew us away the way that you guys have reacted and the way that the Travelers Corporation, the Travelers Championship, the tournament, everything, Bubba with his donation and more. So thank you for all of that. We got quite a response through social media and more yesterday. Um, it, it was amazing. Adam, it, it's it's hole in the wall gang camp slash re uh, give me give me the address again do you guys still have that graphic andrew on that just so while we're talking about it yeah there it is there if it you're is on the tv the side you can see oh, it yeah. hole in the wall gang.org slash rebuild camp fund hole in the wall gang.org slash rebuild camp fund because uh, i had someone just this morning asking me about it and saying good job with it so there you have it in case you guys were looking for it so those looking for victory out at the genesis invitational the way was led by sam burns this from pgatour.com and their recap of round one uh, it reads sam burns had the ideal start at the riviera country club his finish was even better burns opened with an eight foot eagle putt and closed with three straight birdies Thursday at the Genesis Invitational, giving him a seven-under par score of 64. The third time this season, he has shot 64 in the opening round. The 24-year-old Burns is still looking for his first PGA Tour victory. On one of the best courses of the year against another stacked field, it was a good first step. He had a two-shot lead over Matt Fitzpatrick and Max Homa. Uh, Homa grew up 30 minutes away in Valencia and used to attend this PGA Tour event at Riviera as a kid. Patrick Cantlay, coming off chances to win at Palm Springs and Pebble Beach, extended his run of good play with four birdies on the back nine and was in a large group on the mark of 67. Dustin Johnson, who played Riviera consistently well as anybody over the last 10 years, couldn't take advantage of the par fives and still scraped his way around to a score of 68, mainly by taking five putts over the last six holes. Uh, also at 68, Brooks Kepka, he coming off a victory two weeks ago in Phoenix, and Jordan Spieth, who had at least a share of the 54-hole lead the last two weeks as he tries to end the slump that dates to the 2017 Open at Royal Birkdale. Riviera has a reputation of playing tough as the game evolves. A 72-hole record, 20 under par, 264 aggregate. Lenny Watkins set that in 1985, has stood as the longest of any record now on the PGA Tour. It was tough enough for Justin Thomas. He opened with a 77 despite birdies on two of his last three holes. Thomas also had three double bogeys, two of them when he three-putted from inside of six feet. One of them was actually a four-putt. Bryson DeChambeau, he had a 75. 
Atehu Kim, he won the Genesis Championship in Korea on the Korea PGA last fall. That's He got an exemption in the tournament as a result. He had the wildest day, if you please. He started by laying up at the short par 410th, which proved to be a smart play for him, especially with the firm conditions of the golf course. He made it pay off with a 10-foot birdie. Then he holed a bunker shot at the next, at the par 5 11th for eagle. Then he made another eagle with a hole-in-one. That was at the 16th hole. He had another eagle attempt, too, from 40 feet on the fringe of the par 5 first, just missing for a tap-in birdie to reach 5 under par. Then he dropped four shots over the next three holes. He wound up shooting a score of 69. As to our leader, he kept a steady hand, dropping shots only at the par 3-6 when he came up short of a front pin and at the tough 12th hole into a stiffening afternoon breeze when he found a front bunker. He made enough birdies in the middle of his round to atone for those mistakes, though, and mistakes were never too hard to find at Riviera, certainly. Take uh, Rory McIlroy as an example. Two over par, 73 for Rory. You're going to hear from him and his assessment of his round and the golf course and how that happened. Uh, Matt Fitzpatrick, he holed a 45-foot birdie putt at the par 3 14th hole. He made birdie on the next par 3 at the 16th. And after making the turn, hold a 25-foot eagle putt at the first, which yielded more eagles than any par 5 in the PGA Tour since 2004. You're going to hear from Matt coming up as well. The 10th hole, among the best short par 4s in America, many will assess the same, created plenty of challenges in the morning. Cantlay missed the target by two yards and was in just as bad a spot that he played from some 60 feet away from the flag in the morning. Uh, Spieth thought he was in a good spot until he saw a palm tree in his way. You're going to hear Jordan speak to exactly that situation, what he did, why he did it. It's pretty amazing to hear. It's so much so that as he was saying it, he literally had to go, no, dude, I'm serious. That was really what I was trying to do. Uh, going, going to the right was dangerous. So was going to the left. He thought about going under a tree. Ultimately, he went left and pulled it off to perfection. He actually ended up the the finishing the sentence at the end of that uh, the period at the end of that sentence for Jordan Spieth, he actually birdied the hole, which which is absolutely amazing. All right, so let's start with that, our leader, Sam Burns. Seven under par, 64. And for Sam Burns, as we mentioned, yeah, Sam, great start, great finish, and you hung on there in the tough stretch in the middle. Yeah, um, you know, off to a hot start there at one with the eagle on, uh, on the first hole. And then um, I think we were just pretty consistent throughout the round. We knew we were going to hit a tough stretch there. Um, kind of start the back nine. Um, so I think just being patient out here, you know, the, this golf course at times, it doesn't offer you a lot of opportunities. Um, and so I think just with that mindset going in, we were just kind of take what we could get. Were you kind of surprised you were able to go so low? Guys talked about the course was probably going to play harder this week because of the conditions. Um, I mean, I think Travis, my caddy, did a great job of putting us in the right spots. Um, you know, I think a lot of this, you know, good play goes to him. He, uh, He's been really good out there, and he, he's kind of kept me calm and answered me up a little bit when I needed it. So I think, you know, he just he did a good job today. When you look back at your round, what do you take more comfort in or, or excitement from? The eagle on one or the birdie on 17? Um, I think probably the birdie on 17 just because I, I drove in a bad spot. Um, then we were able to hit a, good, hit a good layup up there to a good number and, and wedge it in there close. So I think, um, you know, we just tried to give, you know, give ourselves the best looks we could. Patrick Cantley was in here earlier, and we asked him how long – when you finish with kind of a tough round on a Sunday, how long do you hold on to that until you come to the next event? How long did you hold on to Sunday at Pebble, if at all? Uh, just about when I drove out of the parking lot. Um, 
I mean, it's, it's golf, man. It's just it'll eat, it'll eat at you if you let it. Um, so I think you know, just forgetting the bad ones and um, you know, learn as much as you can. And I think um, we just hope to keep putting ourselves in that position. Thanks, Sam. Thank you. Oh, sorry. Um, one question on behalf of Steve Demeglio, USA Today. Were you aware that Sir Nick Faldo picked you to win this week? I was not, no. Uh, he said on the broadcast, I guess, a couple of times that you're a good ball striker. He likes you around a place like this. What does that mean to you to hear something like that from Nick Faldo that he picked you to win this week? Yeah, it's a great compliment. Um, you know, anytime a, a guy like that uh, says you're going to play well, it's always a, uh, a good sign, I guess. So I'm wondering, as Sam Burns, uh, we just heard him speak seven under par 64, if it's a, a compliment that Dominic said that he's so manly because of how hairy he is. <laughs> yeah, that's a compliment for sure. Is it? Did you mean it as a compliment? Absolutely, I did. Dom was like, he's got hair coming out of all, you know, the chest hair. He's got hair coming out of everywhere. I, I mean, looks, he looks like he has the same problem I have, which is if you shave your face... You're supposed to have a clean face for a little while. Whereas if I shave my face in the morning, by the time dinner comes, I look like Sam Burns, where I've got this massive shadow. And it, didn't, I might as well didn't not Seinfeld have an I feel episode? Like him just and I the, have the same issue. Didn't Seinfeld have an episode about that? Probably. It was like <laughs> Kramer or Jerry, about. like. My shaved gosh, look it. at me. I'm never on camera. I'm, I'm unkempt. This is terrible. Jerry or. I told you I or, hate or, seeing uh, myself on camera now. You're going to me and I'm. I'm not supposed to. I don't have. I'm not supposed to have to get dressed. Yeah, but you. The, the one thing with you, Dom, is you keep. A, you have a shiny coat. I'm not sure if, if Sam Burns is is as well groomed <laughs> as, as you are with all of that. Who knows? Matt Fitzpatrick is next in line. A five under par sixty six for Matt. He shares that second place with Max Homa, who you're also going to hear from after sixty six. So first of all, let's start with Matt Fitzpatrick. Where I mean, I guess the place to start with him is just to assess. How pleased are you with opening with a score that's that good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was good. Um, um, it was a uh, it was a good day overall. Just uh, I felt like I, I played probably better than my tee to green stats would suggest. Um, my swing actually felt felt pretty good. So uh, there's a couple of loose ones in there. I'd sort of try and fix that this afternoon. But on the whole, it was yeah, it's a great start. Couldn't couldn't ask for any better. Are these the best uh, Poana greens you've ever seen? Definitely, yeah, definitely. I, I feel like I struggle a little bit on Poana, um, so to to see them how how they are this week, so firm, fast, um, they're as true as I've ever seen. Um, it's uh, yeah, it's a big big advantage for me. You seem very comfortable in Los Angeles. The surrounds is that, is that a correct read? Uh, yeah, I like it. You know, the the weather's similar to home. Uh, pretty pretty cool at the minute, but. Uh, it's uh, no this morning, obviously with the wind as well. It's slowly getting up this afternoon, and um, you know I've got some friends here, which is quite nice. It sort of feels a little bit more familiar. So um, yeah, should be a good week. A good week starts with a good score. A five under par sixty-six for Matt Fitzpatrick. As I mentioned, same score, five under par sixty-six for Max Homa, and this is a place for Max Homa that he's really familiar with. He had it working. The question is, what was working so well? Yeah, I I did everything really well. Uh, I really only I only made one bogey, and it was kind of just a shame. Uh, I hit a pretty good putt. I don't know if wind or bump got it, but either way, it was pretty stress-free. Uh, I drove it really well. I kept my irons where I needed to keep them. 
I missed a, quite a few greens in the beginning, but they were always in the in the right spot. So I kind of felt like I stayed patient, uh, trusted uh, my, my games in a good spot, and uh, you know, kind of just went went with uh, what was given to me. Uh, fortunately, got a little warm, and uh, yeah, yeah, thanks, Sam. And uh, you know, just kind of played within myself, and uh, you know, fortunately shot five under. Hey, Max Kirk Sandoval from ABC Seven. Hey, as a kid from Valencia, what was it like? growing up here and and you talked about playing here a lot but if you can uh, speak to what this place means to you and how much did that help you today yeah uh, I didn't get to play here until I was 21 I think in the national championship um, but I had been here probably 20 times before that I think my wow. dad brought me here when I was two um, I just have a lot of great memories here I remember watching Tiger um, I remember watching Mike Weir uh, putting on that putting green and it was raining and I was standing under somebody's umbrella and they moved and I got drenched with water so uh, it's just a lot of good fun memories here and um you know i know the golf course pretty well I, i've been fortunate to play a few more times since uh since college and uh it's just you know it's the grass i grew up on kukuya poana it's very very comfortable for me you had a stretch today where you had the four birdies in a row really strong finish at nine and you've been playing well the past month do you feel like you're surging so to speak yeah i've been playing well since mexico so uh kept that going through the the off season I've been working a, a lot with my, my coach, Mark Blackburn. Um, a lot of things are coming together. Uh, I feel like I have a pretty good understanding of where my swing's at. Uh, so I'm just trying to trust it a bit. Uh, and, yeah, when I make some putts lately, I've been hitting it well. So when I make some putts, it's uh, it's nice. feels a little easier. But, uh, yeah, it's just I feel like I'm trending. Uh, I've been playing, you know, nice golf. And uh, I'm not really overthinking too much. I feel like my golf swing's in a really good spot. TourEdge.com uh, is where you can see the new products in their product line, which includes the 721. We were talking about that last week with David Glad, who's the founder of the company and their chief designer, but the world's finding out about it over the last couple of days. Yesterday, I got a huge box delivered to the house, and it's packed with all of that new product. I cannot wait to share it with you. Part of what we do with our partner, TourEdge, is that we put together these videos where we try to explain the technology of the product so that you guys can make a more informed decision if you happen to be interested in the same. So we have it, it is the good news, and I'll show it to you coming up in the weeks that lie ahead, and we'll let you know what that production schedule is so you can know where to see it and when to see it. Uh, I think TourEdge, uh, Dom, if I'm not mistaken, when we do these pieces, does TourEdge park them on their website? Is that is that one of the places? I know they do on social media, too. Yeah, I know they're on, they'll be on social media. Um, we're going to have a space on our YouTube page now for stuff like that moving forward as well. And oh. I, believe, I believe they put it on their website. But the, the, I mean, one of the wonderful things about the space that we all operate in now is most of the stuff we're talking about isn't available on multiple platforms in multiple places. So wherever you consume your content, because everyone kind of consumes their content in other places. You know, some sure. like Facebook, some like yeah, whatever you're familiar Twitter, with. And it's available on all those places. Good. Okay. So we'll let you know when and where you can find all that. But we know when and where you can find everything that TourEdge has to offer right now, which is touredge.com. And they're sold all over the country at the finest golf shops, which includes the number one golf retailer in the United States, the PGA Tour Superstore. You can find all their stuff at pjtoursuperstore.com. So we aren't even close to being done yet. I literally got through ties for second on the leaderboard at the Genesis Invitational, which speaks to just how stout this field is. Coming up on the Fairways of Life show, you are still yet going to hear from some of your favorites, I suspect, like world number one Dustin Johnson and recent winner and back in the winner's column brings with it his typical bravado. I love it. It's Brooks Kepka 
as well. And what about Jordan Spieth, who's been knocking on the door? Rory? Eh, not so much. We'll have it all for you coming up in the Fairways of Life as we continue on this Friday. Nestled amongst the hills of the Hoosier National Forest resides a classic American destination, the French Lick Resort. Experience the ultimate in golf at the Pete Dye Course at French Lick, voted number one course in Indiana on Golf Week's Best You Can Play for 10 years in a row. The Donald Ross Course at French Lick has been named Indiana's number two course in Golf Week's Best You Can Play rankings every year since 2011. Come experience old world opulence amid modern comfort served with Midwestern charm. Visit French Lick TheGolfTravelGroup.com is a luxury golf tour operator that specializes in custom travel itineraries to Scotland, Ireland, England, Wales, Iceland, New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, and more. Guaranteed advanced tee times, incredible accommodations, airport meet and greet services, private guided tours, and private drivers, all in luxury vehicles. And they have a staff that's been doing it forever. TheGolfTravelGroup.com. The best golf experiences are the unique ones that combine breathtaking beauty, inspiring designs, and refined luxuries. Streamsong Resort, conveniently located in Central Florida, is unlike any golf experience you've ever had. Award-winning courses by Corin Crenshaw, Tom Doak, and Gil Hans will challenge and amaze in a dunescape you'll swear cannot exist in Florida. Awaken your senses then at their opulent spa or enjoy world-class bass fishing, archery, or clay shooting. The options are endless, and you can cap it all off with luscious and distinctive culinary choices to delight any palate. Visit StreamsongResort.com today to plan your golf trip. That's everything that you would want and nothing like you've ever experienced. I'm Tiger Woods, and I chose Bridgetone. I wanted to be with a company that I knew, and then on top of that, that made superior products, so I did. I came back, and I started playing with the Bridgetone Tour BXS, and it's allowed me to maintain the spin and the feel I like around the greens, especially my short irons, but also have that penetrating flight through the wind. The aerodynamics have been phenomenal. I know the quality that Bridgestone has, R&D that's available to them, and what they were able to create that helped me win golf tournaments. Even though we're in Texas, we don't believe that bigger is always better. At Ben Hogan Golf, we believe in something called micromanufacturing, a concept Mr. Hogan taught us long ago. It's a belief that handcrafting golf clubs one at a time to your exacting specifications is the reason we make some of the best quality and best performing equipment in the world. And we don't believe in big prices. That's why we only sell directly to you at BenHoganGolf.com. Let me ask you a question. Are you in pain on the golf course? You know, pain management is a crisis in America. It affects over 100 million people and 35% of golfers. But now we can do something about it. BioFit 360 is a new company here to help us manage and alleviate that pain naturally. They've developed a formula that safely extracts CBD from the hemp plant and utilizes all of its healing properties to help us. They have a relief cream, they have gummies, they have sleep aids, and much more. It will change the way you feel on the golf course and in life. All you need to do is head to BioFit360.com. Feel better, do better, be better. Hi, I'm Brian Hammonds. You country club members can now represent your club and compete in a Ryder Cup-style event. The inaugural Country Club National Championship presented by Fuzzy's Ultra Premium Vodka. It's October 12th through the 17th at Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida. The field is limited, so don't delay. For more information, go to ccncgolf.com. That's ccncgolf.com. 
I hope to see you and your team in Orlando. Um, what is that website? CCMCGolf.com for Brian Hammonds, right? The championship. I'm intrigued now about the, the prospect of finding it because every, every country club has, has good players. And I'm not only talking about people that can go low. I'm talking about people that are really good competitors even in match play. When is when is Brian come on? Because I'm curious if they must have a gross in and net division. I'm guessing. Uh, I don't know the answer to that, but Brian will, and uh, Brian is coming on. Um, I don't have it in front of me because my memory's terrible. But it's either Tuesday or Wednesday of next week. Is Good. Be yeah, I'm, I am very. Curious answer all about your it. questions. Well, I'm just curious about that because I mean, gross is gross, and I, and that's the thing that that interests me the most is that if you can put together a competition where you're going to determine. Obviously, I, again, I realize it's based upon who chooses to compete, but based upon those who choose to compete, who's the best club in, in the USA? Who's, who's got, I don't know, the most game in, in the competition? I'm just curious about that. The net side, uh, that's it's got to be interesting, but I don't know. I mean, you've, you've, I think you've got to have someone at least who was related to those who were part of the Spanish Inquisition that, were, that are part of the handicap. They have to have some type of vetting system of handicaps. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm a 14. But wait a minute, last year you were a 3.5. Yeah, yeah, I haven't played much. I'm about. I always like the about, guys. Hey, what's your handicap? I'm about a, about a 10. Yeah. Sam Burns leading the way at 7 under par after 64. Tied for second. Matt Fitzpatrick and Max Homa both firing rounds of 5 under par 66. From there, we go to scores that represent a tie for fourth. Those ties for fourth represent scores of four under par, 67. Wyndham Clark in one Patrick Cantlay, Joaquin Neiman, Matt Jones, Scotty Scheffler, Tyler McCumber, Alex Noren, Jason Kokrak, all amongst that grouping. Now, what of Patrick Cantlay with that four under 67? You know, he's been playing so darn well. And this is a golf course at Riviera that the players seem to genuinely love. In some cases, they say it's the best of the best. So for Patrick Cantlay, with as well as he's been playing from point A to point B, did he enjoy this stroll? Yeah, I thought the the golf course is incredible. I think it's uh, the best on tour. And so uh, other than the start, which was tough, that 10th hole was hard being downwind, you know, I played okay on the front nine, and then I played really well on the back nine. The, the, the shot on nine, that was it looked like a nice shot. Were you pleased with it? Very much so. Uh, Why? You have to hit the fairway on that hole to that hole location to get it on that section of the green. Um, and so I hit a really nice drive. And then I had 125 in and hit the hardest uh, just sand wedge, which is a 57 degree that I could, to get it up uh, in the air and land soft. And it just it landed a couple on the pin and went to a great spot. You've been it's been a decade probably that you've been at this course dating back to, to college. Uh, how much how much is is the the way you approach it changed because of the way the games evolved, the courses evolved, or is it is it always been the same? I definitely hit it way farther than I did ten I years sure hope ago. So, uh, so the golf course plays easier. Um, you know, when I was in college, I didn't dream of hitting it over the bunker on the eighth hole. And that hole I hit lob wedge into today downwind. So 
I still play a lot of the holes the same, which is a testament to how well, how good the golf course is and how well it's designed. But there's certain holes, like the eighth and ninth holes, which used to be extremely difficult for me, uh, which now are wedges if you hit good drives. So I think that's just evolution of the game and swinging a little better, a little faster. So uh, the golf course is excellent. Uh, like I said, I think it's by far the best on tour. When you when you come off a week, good or bad, is that week done? And on to the next one? For sure. I think you want to learn from it and then discard it after you've learned whatever you need to learn from it. Um, so, What's the timing on that? Uh, learn after as, 10 as minutes? As soon as or? it takes you to learn whatever you lear- need to learn from it. Uh, you know, by definitely by the time the next week rolls around, the last week is gone because you're so focused on the task at hand that that's all that matters. What do you learn from a week in which you didn't do very much wrong except putts didn't go in the hole? You know, definitely take this, the things I'm working on in my swing and the things that are going well in my game and carry them over to this week. Um you know, I'm really confident in my game right now. And even though I was, uh, you know, even though I bogeyed the 10th hole, which you feel like you shouldn't bogey because it's so short, and made another silly bogey on 15, I felt like my game's in such a good spot that it was only a matter of time before I turned it around and made some birdies. So definitely taking taking that confidence with me. Do you put more thought into the tee shot on 10 or 1? Uh, 10, yeah. Is one. it more club selection or location? You're just trying to leave the golf ball front left fringe on 10. So location. Right? And so it's it's so important. One, for the most part, I try and get it as far down close to the edge of the fairway as possible. And it doesn't really matter uh, if I'm on the right or the left side. I mean, the, the, the tee shot on the 10th hole is so much more critical and so much more um, particular or so much more... Uh, specific on where you need to go- leave the golf ball to have a chance at making a four or a chance at making a three. And the degree of difficulty starting out there on a cold morning, it increases exponentially, I would assume? Oh, yeah. I mean, I hit a, I made a great swing, and opposed to landing it short of the green, I landed it two yards on the green, and I was dead. I had to play to 50 feet, hit a good shot to 50 feet, like an actual good shot. And then three putted. So, uh, and didn't feel like I, didn't feel like I did anything wrong except the hole is really, really hard when it's blowing 15 miles an hour downwind. So, um, I'm sure tomorrow I'll get it in a little easier conditions and maybe I'll make a three. Outside of the Open Championship, do you ever hit a good shot to 50 feet on the PGA Tour? Only if you're in a really bad spot. <laughs> Thanks, Patrick. Thank you. On 10 again. Does it take any amount of discipline to play it the way you did, or or was that literally your only shot? I mean, I, I would see some guys at least try and flop it and give themselves a shot. And I could have tried six. to flop it, and I just thought, I'm still going to have 20 feet for birdie even if I hit a great shot. So I didn't think it was worth it, especially first hole of the day, 7 o'clock in the morning and cold and windy. And then when you make the turn, and, and even par is not bad under the conditions, but you want to start making up some ground, what's it like walking off 10, or I'm sorry, 1, uh, with a 5? Very frustrating. Uh, I felt like I hit a good putt there, um, and it spit it back out in my face. But, you know, birding 2 is like getting one back on the field and then hit two nice shots on 3, and you're supposed to kind of birdie 7 from the fairway with that whole location, and the one on 9 is a bonus. So, I mean, I hit the ball really well all day um, and was able to score on one side of the golf course. How'd you birdie two? I didn't see it. Three uh, shots and a win. Okay. A drive and a nine iron and a putt from the fringe. Okay. Yeah. All right. Ron, you got no, it. Just, yep. I'm just wondering, 
this one, you're talking about this golf course. Do you have to hit more kinds of shots here than you do on a typical week? Is it, or is it the value of good shots is just enhanced here? I don't think so. There's no tricks or anything. It's not like Hilton Head where you have to shape the golf ball mm -hmm. and really be careful about where you're, you're leaving the golf ball all day. Yeah. There's a lot of holes out here that are just how far and how straight can you hit your driver yeah. and then leave hit your golf ball in the right spot, but you can hit any shape you want. So I don't think you necessarily have to shape the golf ball, but you definitely have to be cognizant of where you're leaving the golf ball, even off the tee. All right, Patrick Cantlay. So we let you get a good serving of Patrick Cantlay there so you could hear what his mindset was. He stands in the mark of four under par after a 67, and, and Dom's in my headset uh, reminding me to say, you know, what people are seeing and hearing in a broadcast format live and then on every uh, television and, and audio platform available in the digital universe that you don't hear this much post sound kind of anywhere, right? Like this that you can pick up on your phone while you're, while you're going to work and, and all the rest. You know what's interesting, Dom, is when you look at, just as an aside here, when you look at the consumption of the show, we feel like doing the show live is important one, to the heritage of the show, but also because of the energy that you get, the honesty that you get, where it goes, and all the rest. It's not watered down. It's not filtered. It's not, it's not um, created to, to fit some agenda. And Dom said, technically, it's also easier, that too. But the vast majority of our consumption comes in what we would call on demand, whether it's on the audio side or whether it's on the television side. And I just, it's funny because we constantly have numbers coming at us because we're on so many different platforms in both of those different, uh, again, uh, the television side and, and the, the radio side, uh, both digital. And right now, I can see numbers that are clicking, even though we're on live today with what we're doing, the numbers for yesterday's show, Dom, must be people catching up and I'm assuming it's them commuting into work or something, or they watch it before they go to work around the country, around the world. I know that we have a lot of people that are consuming the show on a daily basis uh, in, in the, the British Isles, for example, and, and I, I think that's a live consumption and an evening consumption. It's just, it's amazing to see when the numbers hit, but right now there's an absolute surge going on with both yesterday's show and, uh, to a lesser degree, this live show until it goes through its cycle of when people chill and, and consume. And I wonder if that's new. You know what I mean? Where, where it used to be in the old days, uh, you turn on the radio and your favorite radio show is on and that's the time that it's on. So unless you want to pay extra for it nowadays and find it where, where everybody buries everything behind paywalls, which we don't do and won't do, but it's, it's pretty amazing to me to kind of watch the, the cycle of consumptions and how and where, when and where it takes place. I'm sure you're studying the same thing. Yeah, everything you're saying is absolutely true. But to me, there are, to Matt, there are two things that are really cool about what we're doing now uh, that we were not, we, literally the technology didn't exist five years ago. We couldn't have been able to do it. True. Uh, one, I love the fact that people, because for years, and I'm sure the same thing happened to you, Matt, for years when I would run into people, if we were at an event or something, people would say, you remember that interview you did with Larry Nelson? Or you remember that interview that you did with X, Y, and Z? You know, where Probably is Charlie Sifford or, or Arnold Palmer. Those are yeah. the ones you get asked about Can I about hear that? Can I see that? Whatever. Now we've added a visual side, which is super cool. The fact that you can see it now, which is new and different and awesome. But more importantly, uh, and we're still in the middle of building this, right? Um, yes. So it's not, not everything is available right now, but it will be. 
everything is going to be available in a form that you can consume it at, on your own time. And I think part of what you're Oh, you're saying about like an a la carte, right? Yes, it's going to be a la carte because someone, like you're just saying, someone on demand consuming yesterday's show or the, or the day before, they might be going to watch Josh Teeter's interview. And the beauty of the way we have it structured now is you can go to the Facebook feed or the YouTube feed or even the Twitter feed of the show, of the live stream, and you can, after the show's over, you can scoot around. You can, you can go and scoot to where Josh is, watch your 15, 20-minute Josh Teeter interview, which, by the way, I would highly recommend you watching. I mean, he cried during the show. I mean, I, that's the first. That, I, you know, we've had people get reclumped, as they say, on the radio side, but that might be the first time, Matt, I think, on the video side, where we visually saw somebody cracking under the, the crucible of a Matt Adams interview. <laughs> yes, yes, the pressure of it. I have to admit to you, maybe I shouldn't admit this, but I have to admit to you, that I could see him wobbling a little bit. I could see the teeter. And I went in for the kill. Like, you pushed him over the edge? Yeah. Did you, when you were a kid, did you have a hamster that died? Or a pet of some kind? <laughs> How did you feel about that? No, I, I just, you know. What am I going to say? It's what happened. All right, so here's where I'm going now. You know, we talk about BioFit 360 and dealing with pain and whatever the pain is, your ankles and your knees, your back, your shoulders, your elbows, your wrists, your hands, blah, 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 neck. It's, if you play golf, you have pain. I mean, that's, that's, that's what happens. If you're, if you're active, there's a trade-off. You love it. So we tell everybody about BioFit 360, our partner who we love. Uh, we vetted them as much as they vetted us, and they consulted with over a thousand medical professionals, and we're saying, yeah, we like this relationship. Well, maybe that pain, the CBD oil, would have been useful for Tyler McCumber because, and this is probably the only time I've ever done a tease quite like this on the Fairways of Life show. When we come back, we're going to completely gross you out. Yeah. Like, even show it to you like gross. We'll explain after this. If I told you legends like Robert Trent Jones Sr., Arthur Hills, and Donald Ross have designed and inspired more than 10 breathtaking courses and they're all in one place, would you believe me? Where is this special place? How far do I have to travel for this golfing nirvana? The answer could both surprise and delight you. It's right around the corner in the heartland of the country. It's Boyne Golf in Northern Michigan. It's a destination so special, so unique, that you'll think you're playing golf on a work of art along the cliffs of the Monterey Peninsula or the raw sweeping landscapes of Scotland. From elite instruction with the Boyne Golf Academy, tournaments, and so much more, Boyne Golf truly offers an unrivaled golf vacation experience. Log on to BoyneGolf.com and see why they're at the heart of America's summer golf capital. It's likely that the world's greatest Lynx golf courses will be the reason you will want to plan a trip to Ireland. And with over 400 courses to choose from, you're sure to find whatever you seek. But Ireland is about even more than great golf. In this ancient land, the past works hand in hand with the present. From cultural sites to castle ruins. Stay in a country B&B or a luxury hotel and spa. Enjoy inspiring local culinary choices, a pint and music at a cosy pub. But most of all, enjoy the warmth and hospitality of the Irish people who will make you feel that you haven't travelled from home but have returned to it. Visit Ireland.com to get started. Golf plans changed? We're here for you. Drive in, fly in. 
French Lick Resort is the perfect spot for your next golf getaway. Our Donald Ross and Pete Dye courses have hosted majors since 1924. Our historic hotels are top flight as well. And know that keeping you safe in this era of COVID is also important to us. Go to FrenchLick.com. Play legendary golf this year. Must be 21 to enter casino. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. What's your bucket list destination? Where have you always wanted to go? What's the number one thing that holds people back from doing that? It's fear of logistics. I don't know where to stay. I don't know how to get tea times. I don't know where to go. I don't know who should take me there. Well, I'll tell you who knows the answer to all those questions. TheGolfTravelGroup.com. That's why the Fairways of Life show has aligned ourselves with these experts. And is there some place you want to go, like the Open or a President's Cup or a Ryder Cup? They can take care of that as well. What is your golf bucket list? Where do you want to go? Do it with TheGolfTravelGroup.com. It screams. It tracks. It's soft. It reacts. It is the all-new Tour B with a game-changing reactive cover designed to spring faster off your driver and stick longer to your wedges. Try the new Tour B. The Tour Ball. Reinvented. Let's face it, there's no better feeling than getting new golf gear. And where you get your golf gear matters. PJ Tour Superstore is America's number one golf retailer. Whatever you're looking for, they have it. And you can get custom fit. You can shop online or safely in their stores. At the PJ Tour Superstore, you'll always find golf's biggest brands and all the latest equipment right at your fingertips. If you need it or want it, they've got it. Log on to PGATourSuperstore.com to upgrade your game today. To that point, as you're just hearing in that commercial about PGA Tour Superstore, PGATourSuperstore.com, you can see it on there. The new product is starting to flow in right now. So if you were thinking about shopping in person in the stores, and you can do it very safely, uh, whatever, maybe you've already started to get your vaccine. I, I know the percentages are going up and up. Uh, my mother-in-law is getting hers today, which we're delighted to hear. I think uh, she and Donna are in the queue as we speak to, to go in. Um, but so if you have done that or if you just want to be safe, but wear, wear a pile of masks and, and do whatever you have to do to make yourself comfortable. And when you're there, which they go to extraordinary lengths to make these stores safe, uh, you'll see all the new stuff. It's really cool because it's coming in right now. And, and, you know, I get asked about it every year. As you guys know, my job with Golf Channel is to explain equipment technology. I don't tell people what to buy. That's up to you. I just want to make sure that if you go in, if if you think about it or you keep notes or you watch the, the features, you can see features and benefits that you think you might need. Now, generally, when you're talking about equipment technology, if you if you build up a technology in one area to help one particular facet, then it tends to sacrifice a technology in another area. It's kind of like a seesaw. They're getting better at covering both. And a lot of, you know, if you're talking about, say, irons, where they're trying to lower the center of gravity so the mass of the weight is below the equator of the ball to help with your initial launch angle, they're getting better and better at that by using tungsten. But where you'll see advances particularly with iron technology right now, is the way they tie the weighting into the top line so that you're getting more stability overall. The more stability, they call it MOI, moment of inertia. It's about stability and impact. 
uh, because everybody misses the, the sweet spot. If not every time, then you're going to miss it sometime. And depending on where you miss it, it causes a wobbling effect. Because remember, you got the mass of a weight out here with a shaft going this way. You're going to get a wobble. And the way that they build that weight, that technology, and tie in the exoskeleton of, of the club, they're getting much more stability when something like that happens. So you're getting a club that's going more online. So uh, that's what I'm saying is so exciting about, because I get asked all the time, what's the best equipment? You never hear me say, oh, this line is the best equipment because it's all that good. It depends on what your individual needs are. So you can find it all at PJ Tour Superstore, pjtoursuperstore.com. Now it's promised. We're going to gross you out because that's what we do on a Friday. We're thinking about making that a sponsored segment. Tyler McCumber shot a four under par 67. Little did we know how close he came to not being able to play in the tournament. Uh, it went, apparently when he was in his hotel, I don't know what hotel he was staying in LA, but, but maybe it was uh, an Airbnb or something. It, it clearly didn't have all the modern amenities. And before he headed out to the golf course one day, he was tortured in the room for information. I'll let him explain. Oh, yeah. Um, Tuesday morning, I was coming out to the course, and I went to open the windows to cool off the hotel room before I left. And um, I smashed it in a sliding window uh, door right in the crevice. It went underneath the back of the nail bed and lifted half of the back of the nail up. Um, The next day I came in, uh, I slept on it. It was pretty... It's pretty torn up, um, but fortunately, the surgeon on site, the emergency surgeon, is a hand specialist. So he, um, Dr. Modaver, so he he gave me the option. He said we can bandage it up. Obviously, you can't play because um, it's just too painful. Um, or we can do a procedure where we just rip off the nail, but half of the nail is still intact. So he he numbed the finger and, and ripped off the nail, and um, basically, I was able to kind of see if I could hit balls that next day and. And I was. I just cut my, kind of altered my glove and kept this on all day and putted with it on. You, so you had the surgery Tuesday night and you were hitting balls on Wednesday? Uh, I hit balls right after the surgery, yeah. Oh, so the surgery was Wednesday? Yeah. yeah. No, it was Tuesday and I hit like five balls on the range after. What's the pain level now? Um, I mean, honestly, it's just gone numb. So, I mean, it hurt this morning a little bit and um, it's a lot less with the, without the fingernail on there. But you can tell it's kind of just bleeding all the way through this bandage. But, yeah, I mean, Riviera will take your mind off the pain. <laughs> did you have to alter your grip at all? Um, at first I did, but not today. I just altered my glove. And then, obviously, I'm kind of fortunate that that finger is, the pressure is really only kind of right there on the back of your hand. So maybe not quite as forceful as I felt like I was, maybe a little lighter grip, but that might not be a bad thing. All that being said, are you surprised at all that you – did what you did today on the golf course. I was surprised I could play, honestly. When I did it, I, I pretty much booked a flight back home and <laughs> changed it <laughs> once he ripped it off. So, um, honestly, I was just kind of, maybe there's some truth to that, going out and being just pretty fortunate to tee it up. It looks swollen, too. Like, it seems like... Yeah, it's it's pretty gnarly. I got a good video out of it. He really um, wants to show somebody a video. No, it's pretty bad. The video I, I'll be surgery? honest, I watched him do it, in per, obviously in person, and we were videoing it, and it was pretty gnarly, but with the, watching the video is almost more gross than in person. It's <laughs> <laughs> but he did a great job. He was very professional. He actually made the experience somewhat uh, manageable. I was about to ask for to see the video, but never mind. Thank you, Tom. Yeah, I'll see you later. <laughs>
That is so gross. Now, here's, here's the thing that I'm wondering. When he saw this doctor, right, he was like, yeah, I smashed my finger in a window frame. What? what? I, don't, I mean, I don't, I don't know nothing from nothing, but, but so it might be a phone call that we rook him and how. You know, have well, you been injured? To Matt, have you been injured in a hotel window opening accident? I was saying to Matt that I think uh, the whole question mark in this whole situation to me is think about when you're at your house and you open a window. Think about how hard you would have to open your window on your finger to basically rip the whole nail off. That's pretty. Well, he didn't rip it all like, well, off. I don't know about you, he, but when I open the window, I'm like, oh, it's kind of hot in here. And you go, uh. You don't yeah, go, but he said it was a slide <laughs> window. It was a si- Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to put my finger right here. I'll put my smash. hand here and then. Uh, <laughs> Ooh, I hurt my finger. I think oh, the nail man, was broken. Oh, man, whole finger's ruined. How about that? Yeah, but I, apparently it was only like half the nail. And then I liked the way he phrased the terminology from the doctor. The doctor's like, yeah, you know, yeah, we can do something. We can rip off. His term, rip. We can rip off the rest of the nail. I was telling Matt that in the commercial, what happened to Tyler is literally what happens in torture scenes in movies. They tie and you to just chair, movies. They, it really, and they take it really pliers isn't. and rip your nail off. Yeah, and he, but it he also really like, like, yeah, you should take pliers and rip my nail off. <laughs> it also like has this kind of whole, because Tyler's look and everything, this like Civil War look. Pull up, pull up a freeze frame of, of Tyler, Andrew. And tell me if this whole thing doesn't just feel like it was, it was taking Obviously place in, in some... Civil War battlefield where a, where a musket ball went shooting across. Any one of those is fine. Yeah, I mean, he, it, yeah, this could, could be get, like Andrew. The if you ultimate, went online and got a picture of like an old Civil War hat, we could superimpose it right on top there. <laughs> yeah, but it's also like the ultimate Civil War reenactment. Like, oh no, we're really serious about it. We're we're the only reenactment team that uses real ammunition. And if you get injured in the field, we, we, we deal with it the way they dealt with it. A shot of whiskey, bite down Andrew, on this bullet. Take his audio off so we can't hear it, and then scroll in the video to the beginning where we can see his finger. He, like, holds it up a little bit. Oh, yeah, he does. Yeah, and it totally looks like something out of the Civil War. He, you know what you should do look, when you superimpose? Yeah, you oh, can man, see the blood. Look at, oh. you can when see you superimpose, you shouldn't there. put, Plus, like, the Civil War blood. hat on him. You should put, like, the bloody bandage wrapped around his head. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's a heck of a round of golf with that. I mean, I, if I if that little, He's for the three record, shots off the lead, dude. If that happened to me, if that happened oh, to me, gosh, Matt, I'd be happening. unable to produce this show for weeks. Oh, that's so tough. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, Matt, something happened. I opened the window. I smashed my finger. I am unavailable. <laughs> I can't. I can't produce the show like this right here. You could no. You can't what would see happen, it. Dom? Put is that you'd screen, be Andrew. like, look. You can't really see the board. But you'd be like, this uh, right you, here, Dom would be at a neck I brace. I need this finger. Dom would be at a neck finger. brace, and I'd be like, dude, what happened? <laughs> he was like, I smashed my finger I'd be in like the window. This. A big neck brace. Oh, man, it's a horrible injury. Look at my finger. <laughs> I smashed my finger. I went to see this guy. He told me that he was going to rip off the rest of the nail, and that's when I went down. Yeah. And it was on an incline. Unavailable for producing, yeah. And I rolled it. for about 30 or 40 feet. It. So anyway, you know, we, we've, we've got Tyler and his dad's number. I think we should call him and tell him, hey, you know, Shaft and Shaft. Uh, you know what I could do? All over the country. I do have Tyler's number. If you want, this is I gross. know where you're going. You're going to get that damn video, I could text him and ask him you? for a picture of his finger. 
Be like, Tyler, why don't you get the video, on dude? TV now, which you probably didn't know, and say, listen, we need, we're gonna need a, f- a picture, just a picture of the finger, and then we could just open the show with that. Like, you're Look at gonna, this. But, Dom, you're gonna need to, you're gonna need to lay down if you get that video from him. He said it's even grosser than the no, story. No, no, I would never watch the video. I wouldn't watch it. I, I would say, hey, Matt, we got this cool video from Tyler. Andrew, hit it. And then I, <laughs> I, would, <laughs> oh, I would hear his Matt going, oh, that's pretty gross. That's, that's gross. Uh, free frame that yeah, one. Yeah, it's gross. It's really Close gross. up on that. Close nasty. up on that. <laughs> All right. So we'll, we'll continue to, to follow the developments surrounding Tyler McCumber's finger, which has been uh, medically mutilated out in the field. And it seems to be serving him. Maybe it's a trend in golf that you want to follow as well. Dustin Johnson. Tied for 12th, only one shot adrift uh, from, the, from the grouping that we were just talking about. They at four under par. And at four under par, the three shots off the lead. But three under par is, a Dustin, is the score for DJ because, yeah, the, the score that he shot was uh, 68. And for Dustin Johnson, I guess you could look at it and go, Pretty good score, really good opening rounds, got himself in position, but it's also about what I guess didn't happen, which for DJ, contrary to what you would otherwise just automatically assume, he didn't take advantage of the par fives. Missed some pretty easy putts, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, obviously I got it, you know, I scored well, I got it around. Um, you know, hit it in the right spots, you know, missed it in the right spots. And, um, yeah, I mean, the only bogey was three putt on 14. A long one. Yeah, a long yeah. one. I just ran it by a little bit and then, you know, didn't play enough break on the one coming back. But, you know, it was a, I left myself with a difficult putt for par there. But other than that, yeah, I mean, I never really was – I never really got, you know, really out of position off the tees, but I missed it in the, you know, right. where I where I wanted to miss it. But yeah, tomorrow I need to hit a few more fairways and take care of the par fives. I wouldn't think um, you're expecting to make the one on five, but does it no. give you a little bit of a just a little bit of a spark just because you pick one up you didn't think you were going to? Yeah, for sure. But obviously, I, miss, you know, I missed on the previous holes. I missed some really good looks there on, well, especially on not birdie of one, you know, and then missed out of what seven feet on two and a ten footer on three, you know, pretty easy putts. Um, I just pulled them, but um, but yeah, I mean, I'm pleased with the score. Not really that thrilled with how I hit the ball today, but I'm going to go to the range here and hit a few. Good sign that you can just feel kind of scrappy, but okay, and still post a 68? Yeah, well, I mean, I did, you know, obviously I finished really well, but hit a few drives in the fairway and had some wedges in my hand, so... <laughs> Um, I, hit some nice shots there on seven and eight. I got to ask you, and I, and I mean one specifically. Um, if you think about making a five on number one, what is the what is the worst feeling in the world making a five on a par five? Is it one here? Is it two at Pebble? Thirteen at Augusta. Wh- which one would really annoy you the most well, of all the par fives you play? Probably here, just because. I mean, <laughs> there's really nothing, you know, off the tee, and then. You know, all you, you all, pretty much all you gotta do is hit the green. I just I hit the wrong club for the second shot. I thought the ball was gonna jump, but I knew too. Even with if I hit a seven iron and it jumps and it goes just long, it's a pretty easy chip from back there. Um, the only place you can't hit it's in the bunker, and that's where I hit it. Do you have a 
I, I, you've played 10 here a lot, but teeing off first thing in the morning when it's cold like this. But what club did you hit and how much more demanding it's is it? seven wood, and I hit it pretty much where, where I wanted to. It was just left just left to the green. It, it actually went a lot further than I thought. But it, it just flew the bunker there and went kind of back. But I was still in a pretty good spot. And then the ball just coming out of the rough just came out, you know, landed about a yard short of where I wanted to. And But still, I take – I was a tap in four, and I'll – go to 11 and I was thrilled with that and you talked about this a little bit yesterday but given the but given the different conditions this year versus maybe previous years how much more difficult is just the course in general being fiery yeah the course I mean you can't ask for a course in better shape though I mean the greens are perfect you know the fairways are it's firm and fast but yeah this golf course plays really difficult when it's firm and fast you have to be in the right position or you've got no chance is putting more demanding this week than maybe in the past, or is it maybe approach shots? I mean, approach shots because if you, you know, if you're leaving yourself with downhill putts all day, it's, you know, they're really tough to make. You know, just because they're so fast, you got to hit them so soft and play so much break on a lot of them that it's not, it's difficult. So your approach shots, you need to be spot on with. I just wanted to ask you about the seven when What was the occasion of putting that in the bag? Um, at uh, the PGA and at Harding. Harding Park. What did, what well, I, you know, I had a hybrid, and then the five wood. I couldn't a five wood, and my three wood. I hit like the same distance. So Keith made me a seven wood, and when I first looked at him, I, I thought I was going to hit it straight in the air, but I hit it, and it came out kind of nice and low with some spin. I was like, all right, put it in the bag. <laughs> Has it been there ever since? Yeah. What's the loft on it? I have no idea. 20, oh, 21, I think. I'll go with that. Like, what's the number on it? How far do you normally hit it under? Like two, I fly like 255 or something. It's like a five wood pretty much. But, or it goes the distance of a five wood. Thanks, DJ. DJ, three under par, 68. If you guys, if you guys could see and hear what goes on behind the scenes and all this stuff, Dom said somebody just wrote in on one of the platforms, I don't remember which one, saying, don't ever lose a live show. While I'm trying to listen to DJ and his, his probing thoughts about what took place in round one, my staff are trying to find Civil War hats to put on all the players with, with beards. Are you guys seriously working on putting him in a Civil War hat? We're working on it. It's a work in progress. It's a live show, and the live show is going to end... Uh, reasonably soon. I don't know. We still want to hear from Jordan and Rory, and I think we still got some stuff from Brooks. I want to hear from everybody still. But well, I mean, if we if um, we were doing a survey right now, the leading Civil War contender would definitely be Tyler McCumber. Although Brooks kind of has some Civil War stuff about him, doesn't he? I mean, Jordan does too. Jordan would be the guy that would ascend to to being a general and then eventually become a, a president. But Brooks would be more along the lines of <laughs> there'd be a lot of questions initially as to which side he was fighting for. Uh, he probably would end up starring in one of the one of the roles of a Clint Eastwood movie afterwards, you know that kind of thing. But he shot a three under par sixty eight. It's just you know maybe maybe Brooks is his harshest critic in terms of how the round went. Uh, I thought it was average. I didn't think there was really much. Hit it okay. Um, yeah, chipped in, which was nice. And I, I actually hit quite a few good putts. Um, yeah, like the 118, you get pull, it gets a little bumpy, and I can bounce offline. But um, I thought short game was solid, but uh, just cleaned up a little iron play. 
I was going to ask what you did wrong. Apparently, you didn't hit your irons very good, but you still have them. Yeah, I, I mean, it wasn't bad. It was just mediocre. It wasn't, um, you know, if you're going to be in the rough a little bit, um, you, know, you can get some that kind of spin on you, or um, and they come up quite short and just tough. Um, you know, windy today, so I mean, I'll take it. I was going to ask you, was there ever a time where you shot 67 at Riv and were just kind of meh about the whole thing? That's I shot good... 68, but yeah. 68. Yeah. Apologies. Um, I get it now. It's all right. I'll take it. So I'm pretty sure that that's Doug Ferguson that you're hearing the voice talking with the players. I think the other voice we're hearing was Rex Hoggard from, from uh, Golf Channel, but I'm not positive. But I'm 99.99% sure the exact same percentage of all of those of you are going to get screwed by distance reductions. Um, I'm pretty sure that that was the voice that, that we're hearing where you can kind of get the sense of the interaction. I think he's there live, and that's why Doug's asking so many questions back and forth. But obviously, Doug is, is it, in terms of he's absolutely, unequivocally, the widest distributed golf writer in the world because he writes for the Associated Press, and that... I think it's like 40,000 media outlets or some crazy number like that use his stuff around the world. It's absolutely amazing. Meanwhile, in my IFB, I continue to hear the, the, the developments. of the, My staff is still trying to put Civil War hats on. I think, Tyler. Oh, wait a minute. Here, here it comes. Here, here we go. That is what's <laughs> been going on. Why did, you, are, put him in, why did you put him in front of a field here. hospital? On the TV side, we've got apparently uh, Tyler McCumber, who grew <laughs> up in the South. It looks like he's wearing a union hat that's a little big for him. And A little big. <laughs> Andrew, Andrew put the picture in front of a Civil War field hospital, like a black and white field hospital as well. I would have to, I'd have to assume in the Civil War he would have he lost that digit. Like, well, we can get rid of the nail, but it's a lot, you know, we don't have a lot of time. It's a lot easier just to cut it off. All right. Yeah, that's what would happen. That's pretty much Like, I have a bruise on my finger. They'd be like, all right, next in line, chop. (laughs) Here's a shot. Here's a bullet to chew on. Carry on. All right. So what of it with Jordan Spieth? I mean, part of it, he's two, also three under par 68, which is interesting with the different perspectives. And as I was telling you at the start of the show, he, I'll start with the result first. Jordan birdied the 10th, the riddle that is the par 4 10th at Riviera. He birdied it. And if that was all the information you had, he'd be like, oh, that's cool. Did he drive the green? Did he hit it up to the edge close and chip it up and make a putt? How did it all work out? Uh, no, he didn't do any of those things. He kind of looked at, you know, you don't want to go right, it's dead. Or you go left. And there's all kinds of trees and jungle and animals and people. And he looked over there and said, oh, yeah, that, that's what we're trying to do. Really? Yeah, so the idea was to hit a three-wood over the left bunker into those trees. And I mean, for real. Yeah. And uh, you can get stymied and not have a shot. And if that's the case, you have to just kind of punch it forward. And then, But that angle is the best angle to be chipping into the green from. And uh, it was blowing pretty hard, so I knew I needed to kind of hook it in order to get it over that bunker. And so I went a little left to where I wanted, ended up in one of those spots that was not ideal because the palm tree happened to be right in the line I wanted to go, but um, ended up ended up uh, choosing to go to the left side of it and actually kind of almost cut it out of the rough from about 60 yards. And that shot was the shot of the day for me that 
you know, that could have easily been a five, and it, it turned out to be a three. And then just compared to the years you've played here, you've played here now a decent amount in terms of difficulty. Uh, you mentioned a few more 68s would could be pretty yeah. stout. Is this about as firm and, and dry as you've seen it? Yeah, I think it's about as firm and fast as I've seen the greens from Tuesday through Thursday. And then on the back nine today, as we started to kind of the sun was kind of shining in on the greens as you're walking up, they started to get that kind of that, that, that shininess and that almost like color change where um, you had to really float the ball into the green if you wanted it to stop fast versus being able to kind of take more dead aim on Poana a lot of times. Um, I mean, that 15th hole, that's that second shot into there, unless you hit this high hook and land it five short, you have almost no chance of a short birdie putt So um, later this afternoon. So... Uh, you know, and then 18, you know, I, I hit a wedge out of the fairway, and it it went 12 yards after it landed. So those kind of shots you start to pay attention to, and fortunately, you know, I think tomorrow afternoon, you know, they try and make it the same as this afternoon, but being able to play in the morning could be an advantage tomorrow. We'll see. Yeah. Okay, Jordan, this recent run of success, what are you, what, what are you taking out of that right now, even though the, res, you know, the final result hasn't been what you wanted? Yeah, I mean, the, the final result is for me is how does it feel um did i make progress it's not the position i mean i certainly wanted to win when i was in position last week with a couple shot lead and and things feeling better than the week before but um in no way do am i sitting here saying you know it feels as good as it has in some of my best most consistent years of ball striking um but it's working its way that way and to be able to kind of play patient golf and um, and kind of pick spots and and trust these swings in, in situations where I've got some scar tissue as I roll around places from the years past. And um, I really like the progress that's being made. So I'm just trying to continue to – I'm trying to get better and better. I'm not looking at what I'm doing is right now as final um, as far as the last couple of weeks, you know. Um, there's a next level that, I, that I'm searching for. Can you – just one last one for me. Can you just characterize – you know what the battle has been like since you know since your last win, trying to find these things. Obviously, which now you're, they're starting to come back to you. Uh, but just the, the level of patience that it's taken for you, and and how much of a kind of inner battle that maybe is. Right? Sure, you it's know? you know it's kind of the first time in my life where I've you know had a, a significant dip in in success. You know, it kind of been you know a nice. Uh, you know, a nice, you know, up tick every single year. And, uh, you know, I, and so just kind of learning how to deal with that and, and doing it in such a, and having to do it in such a public way, you know, is very difficult. Um, can sometimes present even more challenges, but at the same time, you know, the idea is to get to the bottom of it, turn it around, make progress at each day and and um, recognize that, you know, that's that's the past and, and I can use it as, as having some scar tissue and use it to my advantage going forward. But ultimately, um, you know, I'm just in the same search that everybody else is that steps on the first tee, which is, you know, feeling in really good control of the golf ball and shooting low scores. And everybody's search for that is a different path. And, um, you know, I'm just, I'm living mine right now. Just one, yeah. I assume you feel a sense of momentum that's generated over the last little bit. Is, is that true? Or, and are you a believer in momentum? And has that been something you've been chasing you know just yeah let me get it going so I can yeah I, I feel I feel some moments where I kind of hit the shot and I have that kind of step of confidence that I just 
you know, it's kind of been missing. Um, I'm gaining confidence. I, I think you, I can use the word momentum into just gaining confidence, gaining confidence in what I'm working on. And that kind of belief has me going to bed at night wanting to go to work tomorrow and wanting to go out there and, and trust what I'm doing, whether, you know, pull it off or not, just to make progress. It gets me really excited about playing golf. And, you know, for me, that makes me happy. Um, and, you know, I mean, it's nice to be going to bed, you know, wanting to do what you love to do and you get to go do it. And uh, can't take that for granted. And um, I'm glad to be on this side of it right now. And I do feel that there's momentum, positive momentum right now. But uh, if I get complacent, you know, that's the worst thing that could happen. So it's just about pushing through. Now's the time where I work harder than ever and, and continue to trust what I'm doing. Thanks. He's amazing. That's why I said he would ascend in a civil war. He'd be, he'd eventually finish the war as like a general or some very high ranking. Now for Rory McIlroy, here we go from this grouping. We're talking about DJ. We're talking about Brooks. We're talking about Jordan, all 368, only four shots back. Not bad after day one. Well, for, for Rory, I don't know. It, it, it felt like a struggle. Two over was the final mark for Rory McIlroy, finishing in 73. And, you know, when you're seeing a leader at seven under par and it's a great field, it's an exclusive field, and it's good scoring, and you end up at plus two, which plus two would be, where is it, my leaderboard here, my Civil War leaderboard. Plus two has him at tied for 85th right now. So, I mean... Where do you start with Rory McIlroy? Surely at plus two, there's got to be some sense of frustration. Yeah, a little bit. Um, it's tricky. You know, the, you know, the wind was up a touch. Um, greens were getting a little firm. Uh, yeah, it was just one of those. I think it was one of those days where it's sort of just as easy to shoot two or three under as it is to shoot two or three over. It's just sort of one of those. And you can see that by the leaderboard that so many guys are on one over even, one under. Um, so, yeah, just one of those days where obviously there was a couple of good scores out there. Um, but you didn't have to do too much wrong to sort of be hovering around even par and, and be the other side of it. Some of the guys have said this is the, the quickest they've seen the greens here. Is that your yeah, sense um, too? Even, uh, even um, in the pro-am yesterday morning, you know, the wind was up quite a lot there. It was really noticeable yesterday morning. Um yeah, they're they're quick. They're they're you know the, if you get on the wrong side of the hole, you're even you know some putts that you feel like you're on the right side of the hole, you're you're being somewhat defensive. Uh, you know, because late in the day, you don't want to be leaving yourself too many three and four footers out here. So um, yeah, it's tough to tough to sort of do everything today, but but especially hole putts because the greens are so tricky and so fast. Did you uh, hit a funny shot on nine or so? I saw you yeah, breaking your wrist. Um, yeah, I just sort of started. It was one of those where it was um, it was a decent lie in the rough, and I thought if I could just get a little steeper on it, a little more shaftly, and I could get more club on the ball and get it to spin more. And I just got it, and it just completely it just jammed in there. Um, it's just more of a shock. It's, it's totally fine. But, uh, yeah, for about, I don't know, maybe 20 seconds afterwards, it was just a little sore. Jakuya? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then on 10, you were in a kind of a bad spot behind the tree. Does that factor into your thinking on the tee shot there, or do you just kind of want to pump it over there and deal with it when you get yeah, there? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not. I think it, there's it, there's certainly more to the hole than just pump it over there and deal with it from there. Uh, I hit the tee shot further left than I wanted to. It was a good distance. You know, it was sort of pin high left. And it was more, 
the trees and stuff weren't really in they weren't the issue it was more the lie it was one of those lies where it was just sitting in a hole and again i had to get real steep on it to get club on ball to, to guarantee the strike and i just carried it two yards uh too short you know if it had it just covered that little bit of rough it, it would have you know got up to probably 20 feet that is a classic freeze frame that you caught of uh, Rory McIlroy to end that one. Let's show the world what, what we're looking at here in the studio as well. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, too this, short. This is the, you know, this is the artwork that we're seeing today that bit rough, it, it from Andrew when he's putting Civil War caps on, on bearded players. and well, That's not so bad. I like it. Now, those little, those little tags that are on Rory's ID, those tags are on there because when you come onto the grounds and say you've got a backpack, you, you have to be checked. Now, I'm guessing that those are probably COVID-related somehow, like he got tested that morning or something. I don't know. But normally, those little tags are when you come through. They literally search your bag to make sure that, you know, everything's okay. And I've always said the same thing about that. I probably shouldn't say this because it, it may be opening doors of something nefarious. But we always show up so early at events. I, I can't tell you how many events, uh, major championships at that, where I've literally been the one to turn the lights on in the media center because we're getting ready to go on the air early. And there really isn't much security. So I've come to the conclusion that if it is your intent to do something illicit, uh, that those, those types of individuals sleep in because after like 9 o'clock, the, the security is really tight. You won't get anything through. So it, it's just, I think, good to know. Keep, your, keep diligent especially in all this discussion about civil war and players and, and Tyler and all the rest. So coverage for today, television coverage. We have it for you on Golf Channel this afternoon. And the times I'm going to give you are all Eastern time for our coverage of the Genesis Open. Frame it up, Andrew, and slide it in there. There you go. 2 p.m. I can delay as long as you want until you throw it in there. 2 p.m. today. It will be at 1 p.m. tomorrow, 1 p.m. on Sunday on Golf Channel, and then it shifts over shifts, is what I said, at 3 p.m. on CBS, both of those two names. Days. They're also names. Four days. As far as the PGA Tour Live goes, they're going to be kicking off in about less than an hour, 55 minutes from now, with the live coverage there at 9.45 this morning. You can see 11 a.m. and 11.30 on Saturday and on Sunday. Uh, PGA Tour Radio is at 2 p.m. each of those two days. PGA Tour Radio, again, can be heard on the PGA Tour app. It can be heard on PGATour.com for free and available all over the world. Uh, or if you subscribe to the satellite service in North America, Sirius XM, you can hear it there as well. Hope you guys have a great Friday. Hope you guys have fun today and fun over the weekend. Thank you so much for your company. I know what's coming because I can see it in the preview screen. Thank you so much for your company. Hope you guys enjoy the golf. Uh, before we go, Corn Ferry Tour and the Suncoast Classic, Brett Coletta and George Cunningham both leading on the mark of eight under par. Matt Every's five under. Ali Snyder Jams is three under. Peter Uline is three under as well. Uh, Max McGreevy and Ben Coles both two under and currently two under par, yet still outside of the projected cut line with plenty of golf still ahead to creep up that leaderboard. Can you imagine from, from the lead to those outside the the Cut line, only six shots separate them. Yeah, you think it's tough to compete out there on the Corn Ferry Tour? Absolutely is. Have a great one, folks. We'll be back with you again Monday if we are spared. Until then, be well and goodbye for now.